Well, good morning, Crown. It's great to be here with you. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, how many of you like cop shows, bad guy shows, the Bourne series, can't really beat that. It's yet to be topped, I think, in my opinion. One of the things we like about those kind of stories, or at least I like about those kind of stories, is that the bad guy gets what they deserve in the end, right? Not right away, because then it would only be a short film, and we like it, it needs to be drawn out. But in the end, the, you know, the thief gets caught, the murderer gets caught, and all those things, the, the person gets what they deserve. And we like that. We like that because we like justice. I think most of us, we think justice needs to be served. Especially if that something happens to us. When we're wronged, then we really want to make sure that justice is served. Today we're going to look at the beatitude, as Lottie mentioned, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So I'm going to just pray briefly as we jump into this. Heavenly Father, uh, we know that you're here with us. You've given us your spirit. And we invite you, Lord, to speak to us through your word, to encourage us if we need that, to, to convict us if that's what we need. Uh, to build us up. Whatever it is, Lord, that you have for us, we pray that you would make our hearts ready to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. As Lottie mentioned, we've been looking at the Beatitudes that Jesus laid out in Matthew chapter 5, and today we're on, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. You probably read about, uh, a couple weeks ago, about this guy. He was an ISIS leader named Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Anybody see that in the news? They actually showed footage, you could watch the video, of, of like the, the, the good guys sneaking into his compound, and uh, they caught him, and they killed him. And I think that the general tenor of most of the news things that I looked at was this was a great thing, right? Because here's this guy, he committed war atrocities, personally responsible for the death of thousands of people. I mean, he's a bad guy, and he got what he deserved, It's a good thing, right? Because justice was served. So we want that to happen to the bad guys, but I've noticed this in my own life. Maybe this is true in yours as well. We all like to get mercy when we're the ones who did the wrong. Does that make sense? We want, we kind of live by this, by this value. Justice for them and mercy for me. You relate to that? We want those bad guys to get caught but not us. I've noticed this is especially true in sporting events. Stand on the sidelines with the ladies' soccer team. When their team fouls our player and the ref doesn't call it, guess whose voice is heard across the field? Mine, definitely, right? But when our team, which rarely happened, would foul and the ref didn't call it, no loud voice screaming in protest. Why not? Justice for them mercy for us, right? When we're caught doing something wrong, we always hope that someone would cut us some slack. When we turn in a late paper, we talk to the professor, we're hoping for mercy. When we find ourselves having a huge need, our prayer, our hope, our desire is that somebody would notice and that someone would have pity on us and give us, give us what we need. Justice for them and mercy for me. So blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy, uh, is an easy thing for us to apply to ourselves, but not necessarily always to other people. And Shakespeare says this, I'm not a huge Shakespeare fan, necessarily, like I went to a school where I never read Shakespeare my whole 
until I got to college, which you might be shocked at. But I found this quote. I thought it was pretty good. He says, this is from the Merchant of Venice. The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It's twice blessed. It blesseth him that gives it and him that receives. It's the mightiest in the mighty. It becomes the throne of the monarch better than the crown. I can remember vividly the first time that I had to cry mercy, beg mercy from my son. It was three years ago. Now, I grew up wrestling with my son. I loved wrestling with Jason. You know, when he's a little guy, you know, one hand, boom, he's down. He loved it. Ah, you know, laying on the ground. And as he started getting older, I had to exert a little bit more effort, but not a lot. And even when he was in high school, he, you know, he's pretty much as big as I was, much skinnier. So I always had like 20 or 30 pounds on him. So even if he was better in wrestling, he'd give me his best moves. It didn't matter. He couldn't pin me because I just, all I had to do was lay on my stomach and he couldn't flip me over. But there came this day, three year, about three years ago at Nana's house, where I saw this little, something different in his eye and he started, you know, pushing me around a little bit. He started challenging me. And, and that day as I lay there, shortly thereafter, with my body twisted in a grotesque thing, laying on the, not pinned yet, but knowing that if something, if I didn't, if I didn't receive mercy, something's going to break or snap or do something bad, I had to cry, mercy. And I could see the gloating in his eye when he gave it to me. We love, we need mercy at times. The word mercy in this verse there has two aspects of it. There's two aspects to mercy. The first, and this is what I've been talking about, we usually think of is to withhold punishment from a guilty person. The guilty person does not then get what they deserve. It's often what we think of with mercy. But there's also the second aspect of mercy, which is to show kindness to someone in need or to take pity on someone in distress. So we're going to look at both of these aspects of mercy. The first one is this one about withholding punishment from a guilty person. One of the most well-known stories in the Bible is Jonah and the whale, right? Now, I know that theologians today, they say it wasn't necessarily a whale. It was just a big fish. I'm a, I still think like a little kid, like, dude, it was probably a whale, right? Let's just say that. It was probably a whale, all right? Because that's the most logical thing. So Jonah and the whale. Jonah, as we know, was called to go to Nineveh and to tell Nineveh, you guys are going to receive the punishment that you deserve. God's going to destroy you. And Jonah, what did he do? He, he, he said, no, he ran away the other way. Why? Why? Because as we know, the Assyrian people, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, had committed incredible atrocities against the Jewish people. They'd conquered the northern kingdoms. They'd killed thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people. They deported them to different places. And these were the people that Jonah was supposed to go and proclaim the truth of God to them. And Jonah's like, uh-uh, I'm not going to go to them. Why? Because I want them to get what they deserve. John Stott said this interesting quote. He said, to be merciful is to have compassion on others for their sinners too. Jonah didn't seem interested at all in showing mercy. In fact, we know at the end of the story, Jonah was, is, is left pouting overlooking the city, angry and upset because he's like, God, I knew that you were merciful and compassionate. I knew that you weren't going to give these guys justice. He's angry about it. Blessed are the merciful, 
for they will be shown mercy. I can remember as a, as a I think it was in junior high at this time, there had just been this huge snowstorm, like several feet of snow, and of course it's my job to go out and shovel the snow. And it had, it had gotten real cold that night, so those of you who are familiar with snow, some of you haven't come in, <laughs> snow gets super hard. So I had to like cut the snow, and then I could shovel it. And we lived on a farm, so it was this huge driveway. And we had, we had foster kids, which were, was fun at times, but in this particular day it wasn't very fun, because this little kid, foster kid, was just bugging me. He's like throwing snowballs at me. I'm working, and I just got ticked off at him. And so I just, I started taking shovel loads of snow and just dumping it on him. He's, he's screaming, but he, he was getting what he deserved, all right? The only problem was my dad comes out the door, and he saw me doing it. My dad got so angry at me. I didn't think I deserved this, right? But my dad got so angry at me, and I got mad at my dad, and we're yelling back and forth. And I remember screaming these words to my dad, I hate you! And I took off running. Hid behind the barn. My dad, I think he was so shocked by, because I said that, that he didn't respond right away. And then he started coming towards where I was at. And I'm peeking out behind the barn, scared to death. And I took off running across the field through the snow. And I kept looking back, and I could see he's running after me. And I'm like, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. And I kept running. The snow was deep, and all of a sudden, I, I ran literally until I could not breathe anymore. And I just... I fell down in the snow and waited. And I could hear him coming. You know, his, first he's running and then his steps slowed down a little bit and I could still hear this crunch, crunch, getting closer and closer. And I'm, just, I'm just cringing, waiting for the punishment that I deserved. And instead, my dad put his hand on my shoulder and he just said, let's go home, son. No punishment. No whippings. That was at that time, you know, it was normal, you know, to get the belt on your bottom. Um, I deserved punishment. My dad didn't give it. Instead, he gave me mercy. Mercy is when we, we don't give people what they deserve. They're guilty, but they're not punished for it. The second aspect of mercy is to show kindness to someone in need or have compassion on someone in distress. Another John Stott quote, he says, Mercy is compassion for people in need. It extends relief. It cures. It heals. It helps. That's what mercy is. Another well-known story from the Bible that I think most of us are familiar with is the Good Samaritan. We know that this man, this Jewish man, was heading down, down this trail, and he was jumped by robbers. They, they beat him up. They left him for dead, most likely. And he's laying there, couldn't get up, couldn't help himself. But, luckily, a priest, a holy man, a pastor, a leader, spiritual leader of the people comes by and he sees this man in desperate need and what does he do? He walks around the other side of the road, keeps on going. The second man comes who's a Levite, also one specially chosen by God, set apart for a special task. He does the exact same thing. He goes around this man who's desperately in need of someone to show him mercy the Levite ignores him. And then in, in Luke 10, these words jump out, but a Samaritan. Third person that came along was a Samaritan. He saw him and he took pity on him. Or we could also say he had mercy on him. He bent down, 
He put oil on the guy's wounds. He cleaned him off. He bandaged him. He put the man on his own donkey and he brought him to the nearest bed and breakfast or inn, it says in the Bible. And he made sure then that this man's knees were taken care of. In fact, he left money with the innkeeper to say, hey, make sure this man's knees are taken care of. And if, if the bill gets higher, I'll come back and I'll pay, I'll pay it all. Take care of this guy. He's a stranger, but he needs mercy. This, why did the Samaritans stop? priest didn't stop. The Levite didn't stop. I don't know for sure. Maybe he's just a really nice guy. Or maybe it was because as a Samaritan, he knew, it was, he knew what it was like to be in need of mercy himself. We know the Samaritans were looked down on. They're kind of like made fun of, half-breeds. Um, the Jewish people didn't like them. They avoided them. They didn't want to touch them. They were, weren't kind of viewed as unclean. But here was this Samaritan who was the one who extended mercy to this guy who maybe didn't deserve it because he was from a people group that had oppressed the Samaritans. The Stoics, those wonderful friendly people of the past, um, said this. They define mercy as a disease of the soul. Said Mercy is a disease of the soul. They believed it was a negative trait because they thought it makes one soft and it showed weaknesses. But Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. See, being merciful is something good. It's something to strive for. It's not a weakness to show mercy to people who are in need. It's actually a strength. As we looked at the Beatitudes, we've seen several things. We saw Lottie mention, she gave kind of a view of those things. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I hope that as we looked at these different beatitudes, you've come to the conclusion that it's pretty much impossible to live that way. To be poor in spirit, to mourn well, to be meek, to, be con- to consistently hunger and thirst for righteousness. It seems like Jesus here is demanding something of us that we just don't have the capacity to do, to fulfill. We just can't do it. If we're honest, even if we've tried hard, in fact, sometimes, especially because we've tried hard, we come up short in being able to live out the way that Jesus asked us to live out. So if if you're feeling this way, if you've sensed that, then I would just say, good, because I think you're starting to get it. D.A. Carson, the author, he wrote, the person whose experience reflects these beatitudes is conscious of their spiritual bankruptcy. It grieves over it, hungers for righteousness. They're merciful to the wretched because they recognize themselves to be wretched as well. The truth is, as Christ followers, it's impossible for us to live out the beatitudes consistently in our lives. It's just not part of who we are. We tend to do the opposite, actually. We tend to not be merciful. We tend to focus a lot on justice. We tend to focus on punishing rather than than giving people some slack. We tend to think about our own needs, meeting our own needs first before the needs of other people. But it's important for us to remember we're, we're not the first actors in this scene. I remember reading this and thinking, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. It kind of seems like like a lot of promises in the Bible, I like an if-then. Like, if you are merciful, only then will you be shown mercy, right? And it kind of comes across as if we need to earn this thing. 
Like if we really expect to receive mercy from God or from others, then we, we have to first show mercy to them. And that would be logical if this was the only verse we're looking at, if this was the beginning of the story and not the middle of the story. But we're stepping into a scene where we as people have already received incredible mercy ourselves. We've received mercy from Jesus Christ, undeserved mercy, unearned. We did nothing to do to, to, to earn this mercy because by definition, mercy can't be earned. We don't receive mercy because we first gave it, but because we already have it. So this verse is talking about those of us who have received mercy, when we are then merciful, then it just continues the cycle, right? It keeps it going. We will continue to receive mercy as we give it out liberally to others. In other words, we're enabled to pass along what we have already received. There's an old hymn, some of you may be familiar with it, it's called At Calvary. In the chorus of this hymn, it says, Mercy there, mercy at the cross, mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. We are the recipients of an incredible mercy. We're like, we're like the, the bad guys in the film that in, we really don't deserve mercy. We deserve punishment instead. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. So here's like a little updated rendition of, the, of the, this beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, and this is my words added, who have already received mercy, for they will be shown mercy, my words added, so that they can pass it along to others. The principle in the Bible is God blesses people, God gives people things so that they can be a blessing or pass it along to others. We're not blessed for our, just for ourselves so that we keep it for ourselves. We've, been received, we've received incredible blessings so that we can pass it along to other people. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells a story. It's a story about forgiveness, um, but mercy and forgiveness have pretty close ties. They're kind of like twin, twin brothers or sisters. This is the story, it's titled in my Bible, The Story of the Unmerciful Servant. A lot of you might be familiar with this story. There was a king who decided to settle his accounts with people. So he started bringing people in front of him who owed him debts. And this particular man was brought in front of the king, and it was brought to the king's attention that this man owed debt that was so high, he could not repay this debt in multiple lifetimes. And so the king did the natural thing, was going to administer justice. He said, okay, I want this man to be thrown in prison and his family until he can pay back everything. That would have been the just thing. This man owed a debt. And the man threw himself on the ground in front of the king and he said, please, king, have mercy on me. I will pay back everything. You know what the king did? The king said, okay. Knowing that this guy actually never, he couldn't pay back everything. He did not have the capacity to pay it back. But the king had mercy, undeserved favor, undeserved grace. He had mercy on this man and let him go. He said, your debt's canceled. This man, you can imagine, he's so excited. He goes out, woo, I'm free. I don't have to pay this debt. And he happened to bump into another guy 
who owed him a few bucks. And, and the man who, the guy said, hey, you owe me some money. I remember, and the guy's like, hey, I don't have it right now. Could you just please cut me some slack? I, I'll be able to pay it back. I just ha- have some hard time right now, and I'll, I'll get it back to you. And the man who had just received mercy, he said to this other guy, no, wait, you have to pay me right now. And the guy said, I can't. And so he had this man thrown in prison because that was was just until he paid back his debt. The king heard about that. Some other servants had seen this, this going on. And they went and told the king. They said, hey, king, you know what? The guy that you just forgave this unpayable debt, you know what he did? Right after he received that mercy from you, he went out and he demanded payment from someone else. And he had this guy thrown in prison because he wouldn't pay his debt. And the king was outraged, of course. He couldn't imagine that this guy, who had just received so much mercy, unbelievable mercy, wouldn't give a little bit farther. And here's what Jesus said at the end of this story. He said, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. It's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? Jesus says, I have given you so much mercy You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You couldn't earn it. And so all I'm asking of you is that you pass this along to other people as well. That you just give what you've already been given. I'm not asking you to come up with something that, you know, something on your own, but I've already given you this. So I want you to receive mercy. And so that's where, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. I, I believe this. If we withhold mercy from people, if we start being stingy with it, if we are like this, this guy who had received so much, but he didn't treat other people with mercy, then I think this part, for they will be shown mercy, then we don't, we don't receive those benefits. It's like it's cut off. I have this amazing story. I was, I was thinking about whether I should tell it or not, because it's more of a junior high story. So you know it involves you know, bodily fluids and stuff like that because it's a junior high story. But I think it really illustrates, uh, it gives a powerful picture of what it means to show mercy to someone in, this, in the sense of showing compassion on someone in need. I can remember when I was, when I was a little kid, I grew up in a farmhouse. Uh, I was just sharing this with somebody yesterday. No air conditioning in the summer, no heat in the winter. There's like no heat up in my room. A glass of water would freeze. I'm not kidding. In my room if I left it there overnight. And t- to get from my room to the bathroom, which is of particular significance in this story, I had to go out of my room, through my brother's room, down the hall, make a turn, go down the steps that go through the dining room, through the kitchen, and then, and then into the bathroom. There's one bathroom in our house. And the bathroom was kind of like this L-shaped. So you'd, you came into the bathroom door, and you could see the bathtub down there on the right. You go past the washer and the dryer and the sink, and then you had to make a little jog to the left to get to the toilet. Well, it... I woke up, I got, woke up in my bed, and you know the feeling. My stomach's just like, uh-oh, something's not good. And I thought I could ignore it, but no, I, I realized I, I got I to gotta run. So I, I got, jumped out of bed, and I made my way to the bathroom. So I, I'm running through my brother's room, made it, down the hallway, made it, took the turn down the stairs. I made it all the way down the stairs, made that curve, going through the, lit, through the dining room, through the kitchen, and all of a sudden, you know the feeling. I'm like, it's coming. And I got to the doorway of the bathroom, and I'm running. I'm I'm running to get to the toilet, and all of a sudden, it just explodes everything out of me. And the problem was, it projected way out in front of me so that it hit the floor before I got there. And my feet, bare feet, hit that slippery substance. 
and I totally flipped up in the air, slammed against the bathtub, splattering everything all over the place, and kind of crawled over to the toilet to let the little bit that was still in me dribble out. (laughs) So why do I share that story? I share that story because of what happened after that. And that was, bless moms, right? God bless moms. Amen? So I'm laying there covered in puke. The bathroom is covered in puke. And my mom, she comes and she starts cleaning me off. She cleaned me off. She, she cleaned the whole bathroom. She cleaned up the entire mess herself. And she never said, you made the mess, you clean it up. That would be what? That would be justice, right? In a sense, I made the mess. That's what we say. You make the mess, you clean it up, right? Imagine if God worked that way. You sinned, clean it up yourself. You got to make it right. You got to earn it. You got to work hard to try to make things right with God again. No, no. my mom gave me today, that day a perfect picture, a model of what it means to show mercy and how God shows mercy to us. Is He cleans us up even though we didn't deserve it. None of us deserve God's mercy. None of us were good enough. None of us could earn it. But God said, hey, I love you. And I see that you are, I just got this picture in my mind again, sorry, of myself. You are laying there in filth and in distress and in desperate need. You can't take care of yourself. So guess what? I'm going to do it for you. Blessed are the merciful, for they have received, for they will be shown mercy. God has given us so much mercy, you guys. We can never repay it. We can never earn it. We don't have to. And my challenge for us all today is this, is because we have been blessed so much, because we have received mercy, because God has been merciful to us, you guys, let's be merciful to each other. All right? We can do it because God has given it to us. Let's cut each other some slack. This is getting to be a part of the time in the semester where like our, our nerves are kind of on edge. Our roommates are bugging us. We're, you know, arguing with people. It's just, it's just a rough time. So let me just say this. Let's be merciful to each other, right? Let's show kindness to people whether they deserve it or not. Because frankly, we don't deserve it either. If people have wronged us to show mercy means to extend forgiveness as well. Can we forgive each other, you guys, from the heart? Can we stop holding grudges? Can we release that? Just from a real practical standpoint, I'm going to wrap up with this. I think God's word is super practical. Sometimes we make it overly spiritual. This is the way things work. If I show mercy to you, Adam is likely to show what to me? If I show mercy to Adam, he's going to show mercy to me probably, right? That's kind of the way the world works. We, sometimes we call that things like karma or like what, what goes around comes around, you know. But in reality, God set up this system that, that works wonderfully if we follow his will, if we follow his plan. We actually do benefit from it as well. Our lives will be blessed. When we live to be a blessing for other people, God will bless us as well. So being merciful... we. For they will be shown mercy. I don't believe God just means exclusively from him, but also from one another. As we are merciful to other people, we're going to receive mercy from them as well. And it's just going to keep going around like that.
Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. My hope for us is that for the next, you know, for the end of this semester, or maybe the rest of this year, that something would start ha- would happen, continue to happen on this campus if it already has been, but that this would be a merciful place. And, you know, mercy doesn't mean lack of punishment necessarily, right? I mean, sometimes we think, oh, if you, if you forgive, then, the, you know, you forget all the consequences. No, there's, sometimes there's still consequences for our actions, but, but we still don't treat people like they're dirt. We don't treat people as their sins deserve. So let's let this campus be a campus of mercy, all right? You see somebody in need, help them out. You see someone in distress, you help them out. Someone does wrong to you, we forgive them. Let's create a culture of mercy on this campus. Not because we're special, not because we're, we're just so spiritual that that comes naturally to us. No, we're going to need God's help. But he has given us so much mercy. He's made it possible for us to live that way, you guys. And so let's, let's live it out. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, this morning I just want to thank you again that you have blessed us way beyond what we could ever give back. We don't deserve mercy, Lord. We're like, like I was. We're like just, we were covered in sin, covered in, in grossness, and you saw us, and you loved us, and you, and you washed us. You cleaned us. You took us out of the, the darkness and brought us into the light. You saved us. You gave us life when we were dead. Lord, we praise you for that today. And because we've received so much, Lord, I pray that you would, that you would pour that through us, that that we as crown, the crown community, as this family, that we would become so, we become known for being merciful people because we've received so much mercy from you. Help us, Lord. Enable us to forgive one another. Enable us to see and to be willing to help others in need. Enable us to forgive one another. To be merciful, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.